Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, returning guest. We've done a lot of shows together. His name is Thomas Millery. He's one half of the PSYOP Cinema crew. We've done many shows. We've covered a lot of different topics. I think our most recent one was Seven Days in May. But he reached out to me. He said that something was going on with Taylor Swift. And I've done a show uh, on K-Town, a mysterious planet, about Astroworld. And something happened with this Taylor Swift uh, event, or she was doing this tour called the Eras Tour, and people were said that they were having post-concert amnesia. Very strange kind of dissociation after her shows, and I was kind of doing research. But I'm definitely interested in talking about this, this uh, thing. We've done, we've done shows about Ed Sheeran, too, and we've covered kind of ONA and uh, Bring Me the Horizon, some kind of strange... And there's a lot of kind of MK symbolism and themes and a lot of their type of music and stuff like that, even Ed Sheeran's most recent um, videos and stuff like that. But uh, Tom can talk more about that. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, William. Ah, thanks. Great to be here as always. And yeah, with with, with Taylor Swift, uh, it immediately struck me as something that you and I should talk about since we've done um, Ed Sheeran uh, related shows a few times. And I've always emphasized with Ed Sheeran how it's so fascinating and troubling how we see just such blatant monarch material or even uh, symbolism related to uh, Onine style Satanism, not on cultural fringes, but in the uh, the mainstream of the mainstream, a, a global pop superstar of, uh, of Ed Sheeran's level. And uh, with Taylor Swift, we're talking about somebody who is uh, even more globally famous and iconic than, than Ed Sheeran, who certainly exceeds even him uh, in, um, in album sales and single sales and all these things and concert tickets. And, uh, and I'm, I, I was just very troubled uh, by what I had read about this post-concert amnesia thing with her current tour. And it's this huge tour, her first one in several years. It's an all-stadium tour, just like her, her last one was. And um, I was seeing these articles pop up in very, very mainstream outlets describing uh, Taylor Swift amnesia about this phenomenon that all these fans are independently reporting about how they can't remember all or some of the shows. And, and, I, and I looked to see and I found um, a decent amount of, uh, of Twitter comments or Reddit comments where outside of these news articles, you see uh, uncoordinated fans uh, just mentioning this of, of their own volition. So because I've seen some people speculate about, well, how much is this uh, is a real thing? How much of this is just these news uh, these news articles copying each other, but I, I think that there likely is something sinister going on here. And even if we take um, the extreme end of the idea that this is being exaggerated or something like that, just the fact that now with this incredibly, insanely global, uh, globally popular pop star, uh, that we have all these media outlets choosing to amplify the idea that... Um, that one, this is happening, that fans are constantly forgetting this uh, tour in particular, and two, that it's normal. You always see in these articles, they bring in psychologists or lecturers who say, oh, there's nothing weird going on here. This is completely normal. Let's explain how. Just the media choosing to do those two things I think is noteworthy on its own, but I suspect that there's even um, there's even something more going on here. I mean, Taylor Swift, uh, and I, I mentioned this uh, before uh, we started recording just now, but uh, that I, I had mentioned when I first came on your show to discuss Ed Sheeran, how she kind of pops up with him uh, a couple times. They've been in a, a few music videos together. Uh, I don't think anything in terms of like their the the most sinister music videos that the two of them had have had, and there's been a lot have been separate. But uh, something that I caught my eye was that she uh, did vocals for a, a certain version of his song, The Joker and the Queen, uh, a track which appears on uh, the same um, album as Bad Habits, which you and I have talked about a lot. The 09 symbolism there, and it's the same album that every track has a butterfly, has a separate butterfly artwork for it. Um, and there's obviously kind of the Joker kind of imagery in the Bad Habits video as well. So a lot of weird NK culture stuff there. Sheeran calling himself the Joker. And, um, and then in this song, at least this version of this single, Taylor Swift is the queen. And people who listen to Psy Up Cinema know, I've mentioned a lot, that there's, I think, a very uh, spiritually dark relationship between kind of the demonic clown, jokester, trickster figure, and then the idea of the siren or the, the kind of the dark divine feminine. So I've uh, wanted to think about Taylor Swift more uh, for a while. And, um, and then this phenomenon, the amnesia thing, gave me an opportunity to do so. 
And William, you had said about this as well. Maybe we can pause to talk about this music video in particular, but one of the several new music videos uh, for tracks that um, are off of her most recent album, Midnights, which was released late last year and which she's promoting uh, with this Eras tour. Uh, one of these songs is called Karma. She directed the music video herself. And as I just mentioned, uh, so let's get in, into the symbolism here because there's so much going on, but, um, but that it's the final uh, song that she plays in this concert tour. It's a, it's a very, it's several hours. It's a very, very long show. Um, I've watched some videos of uh, not the whole thing, but of, uh, of parts of it, but I think it's 44 songs that she plays in her set. And the very last one is karma. So big deal for what's going on here. Right. And this whole thing, like I was just looking through it today, like it's all there, the MK ultra, the hypnotism, the spinning, right? Yeah, at the very beginning, first few seconds, the first five set. I mean, sometimes I wonder about, okay, like how much of this Monarch stuff am I being paranoid about and how much is so obviously there? And then I see a video like this. I'm like, no, it's all obviously real. The first few seconds, record spinning, this magic uh, fairy dust spiral thing coming off of it, and then butterflies <laughs> coming out of it just in the first couple seconds. It's astounding. Yeah, so it's all there, the butterflies. And then in the backdrop, it's like the lonely house written by Taylor Swift. It has her name in the background with just some kind of empty shell. So it's yeah. kind of like that hollow impression of like people who aren't really themselves dissociation. It's right. all, it's incredible, but you're right. First five seconds. Bam. Yeah, and then as we'll get to, um, uh, as you and I are looking at this video right now, we see, uh, just, uh, so something that comes up quickly then is um, is her as a kind of, a, you know, justice, you know, a statue holding holding the scales and everything. And something that that made me, um, that made me think of is, uh, I don't know if you remember those couple weird goddess statues with like the tentacle arms and legs in, uh, in New York City. Um, I think just earlier this year, the now and the witness statue, one of them was on a courthouse and the artists and just really, really yes, just the ultimate. Right. And one thing that the artist talked about there who did those statues, again, just straight up dark goddess worship um, is she's talking about these kind of social justice causes and kind of uh, the idea of, um, of it, it was weird, especially for the witness statue, which was in a park near the courthouse. I recall that the artist was saying something along the lines of uh, something in the some there's some allusion to Eve in there, the biblical Eve, who she says is the, as the first lawbreaker. So this combination of social justice kind of um, uh, the pagan occultism via social justice combined with an ethos of law breaking. So someone like Taylor Swift, who is like a, just a very standard kind of you know, entertainment industry lib uh, who has all this monarch and occult symbolism um, uh, doing this, this kind of herself as the, as this justice statue thing, holding the scales. Uh, that's what that reminded me of, especially with the word karma as well, uh, being obviously the name of this song and then something that she's talked about on and off over the years. There had been fan speculation about uh, was there a secret Taylor Swift album called Karma that um, that she hadn't released that was going to be released several years ago uh, on some talk show. At one point, she was asked about her favorite life lesson. This was years ago. And she said, karma is real. So the kind of metaphysical power of karma, big thing. Uh, for Taylor Swift's career. Wow, yeah. That's interesting. Right, and she says karma is her god, right? Doesn't she say uh, she's, Later in the song, she says, karma is my boyfriend, karma is a god. So it's her lover, and it's a god. So not too right, hard to so that. She sings about the lost boyfriend for 30 or whatever, how long? What is she, 33? She sung yeah, about her yeah, boyfriend, yeah. tragedy. But this karma is her boyfriend and god, so... It's more true. I took this to have the sun, the eye in the triangle symbolism. Yes, right yes, good catch. Yeah. So. But that's because the themes of the moon is here. So she got the moon and the sun. And then she switches the justice, right? So the scales adjust for her. Yes. Right here, like at the very end. So And then very the soon, even within just the first minute of the video, we're going to get to um, this sequence of this kind of this hellish sequence. It's here with the creepy mask on and everything. Um, I think that that that's pretty soon, and then that gets followed by a Wizard of Oz sequence. Right, <laughs> right. like it just hit you really fast. But there's one more interesting thing. She's like Isis in between the two pillars, too. So yes, yes, absolutely. There as well. So Dave, she's got the kind of uh, esoteric background. Yeah. So then we go right into the eyes wide shut. Yeah, he goes in the idol eyes wide shut underground hell party thing where she's explicitly this satanic figure. Um, you see everyone kind of dancing around her. Yeah. Red hair, Scarlet Woman theme. It's all there. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. And then I think that we go immediately into she's Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. Right. right. This is 31, 30 seconds. We've covered three scenes and it's spinning too, right? So yeah. the cuts are the spinning cut. These are all intentional. Yes. Yes. Left chance, yeah. And then one of her other music videos that we might get to for the same uh, album, like there's some Alice and uh, Alice in Wonderland illusions. So um, both Wizard of Oz and Alice in Wonderland are hit in the several music videos that she's released for this album associated with this tour. Right, so she's got the red red shoes, right? Yeah, got the hat. Yeah, yeah, yellow brick road, all of that yeah, there. Right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of this kind of fairy dust stuff. Oh, an hourglass. You know, some more, uh, some more kind of Illuminati monarch symbolism there. Um, with we see the hourglass immediately after Wizard of Oz, um, and then in terms of other shots in the video uh, that, I mean, we could, we could linger on every shot, but I want, I want to make sure we get some of the other stuff. Oh, there's a lot there's of cat stuff. Yeah. yeah. She, she likes that as well. So there's maybe some like beta sex programming going on there, especially for someone like Taylor Swift, whose whole career is based off of romantically portraying her relationship with these different celebrity lovers that she has. Right. So I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if some, um, if some beta monarch program is going on with her cat obsession that she has. Um, she's dressed up in 50s attire right here, like the beginning of MK Ultra type stuff. Yeah. Yes, yes. You have this other artist, um, uh, Ice Spice, who I'm not who I'm not familiar with, and must admit I didn't really want to look up or read about uh, for this research because there's always so many stuff, so much stuff with Taylor Swift. Um, but later on, we do get uh, specifically a combination of the Moon and Saturn. Are the they 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 walk up these steps to this pyramid. Uh, Taylor Swift and this other artist who's on the song. And then I think they end up lassoing, you know, they've got these magic sparkly lassos, uh, Taylor Swift, the moon, and then ice spice Saturn. So at the moon, there's all kind of witchcraft stuff there. Just more, I think, basic um, divine feminine things going on. Saturn, there's a lot of uh, Saturn worship and different Luciferian ideologies. We can think of even the idea of Saturn as Kronos and of occult control over time, which is really big for this whole tour and album cycle because it's uh, it's it's eras, as you said, it's uh, it's eras. It's all these different. It's all about her doing this retrospective of every. A different segment within her career and uh, doing these major transformations in character. That's the whole premise of this uh, tour that's giving people this weird MK amnesia thing. So I think a lot of this could be about uh, control over time as control over narrative, control over meaning, but you've got the moon and Saturn. And also in a song that she did um, for her, I think, was it 2020 release for that folklore album or something like that? There was a throwaway song about a, um, a, th a throwaway line in one of those songs about, I love you to the moon and to Saturn. So she's juxtaposed oh, those two things wow. before. Wow. And I think she writes about memories in this, in this song too, if I remember, I thought I just read that. Wow. So interesting. Yeah. What is she? Yeah. Doing? She's like, here's like the light bulb theme. I always took this to be almost like a bell jar. That's what made me think of Isabella. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and then kind of with the, the the moon and Saturn thing, you get the two of them as kind of an earth goddess and sky goddess. I think it's um, I think it's uh, right after the light sequence. I think it's uh, okay. it's Taylor Swift as just kind of embodying the land, and then you see the other singer as kind of embodying the sky. So kind of, so it could be a similar dynamic as Moon and Saturn there, but uh, both uh, both the idea of kind of idolatry of the earth, you know, Gaia worship kind of stuff, and idolatry of the sky. Sky is the realm of UFOs and the incoming of the, the of this kind of dark divine big stuff and major cultural engineering. So both of those are portrayed with intimations of the divine feminine here. And then yeah, it ends with this clock imagery. Yeah, on a coffee on the coffee with midnight or something like that, right? So yeah. Doing, yeah, yeah. In her strange. in her coffee cup, it's getting towards midnight, which again, midnight is the name of, uh, of the album that the song Karma is from and the last album released before the the Eras tour. So that one just blew my mind seeing that and realizing that that is the last song being portrayed, being performed rather in, in this tour. Um, and yeah, just some of these things in these articles, uh, there's, there's one, I think it might've been in the BBC article for it, but it was of uh, one of the experts was, was talking about, um, was asking about, 
whether they're they're curious about whether Taylor Swift fans will be able to recall the forgotten memories when they listen to her music at a later date. So wow. basically, just like planning the idea of oh, it's totally normal to have pop songs be triggers for um be, uh, for for repressed memories. Just total normalization of uh, of MK culture, MK ultra stuff. Monarch gone mainstream, and to add a little bit of um. Uh, to add a little bit of uh, interpretation there, uh, some of what I think is going on is we're seeing a move to an even darker stage of, uh, of cultural engineering, where if we initially start out with something like MK Ultra and its successor programs, where we have uh, high intensity trauma-based mind control visited on individuals, and then we move into this low intensity kind of universal traumatization through MK culture, eventually, if that doesn't stop, where it's going to go is more, more like high intensity universal MK ultra. Things like pop culture are going to be less subtle, and we're going to be seeing these like, high intensity trauma-based mind control effects on whole populations and having a truly uh, uh, truly superstar status person like Swift, again, even more than Sheeran, doing material like this, where again, even if this is being exaggerated a little bit, you have the media using this tour to signal this is normal. It's normal to right. forget your to, to forget your memories, to have the memories triggered by pop songs at a later date. And I mean, this tour is just so, um, it's just, it's, uh, it, it's, it's just, the, in terms of ticket sales and everything like that, I mean, it's just making such an impact. I think that it actually broke um, the record for the amount of, uh, of tickets sold on a single day. Yeah, I have, I'm looking at my notes. On, on November 15th of last year, over 2.4 million tickets to the tour were sold on a single day, which broke the record, which crashed the major uh, site uh, for, purchasing, uh, for purchasing concert tickets. All, all, all of these things. And you have even weird stuff where even fans who can't get in to see uh, to see the tour, they don't have tickets. I think I, I read that at every Philadelphia show of this tour, there were 20,000 fans outside just kind of tailgating, or I think they call it tailorgating or something like that. Wow. Uh, 20,000 not in the show outside every single night. So the level of celebrity obsession of making pop music, pop culture, the center of one's life. Um, it's just being amplified here to a stunning degree because we have to that culture engineers, they love feedback loops. They love basically art. That's about art. That's about art where now at this point, Taylor Swift is making music, just that is so endlessly self-referential about herself, about her career, about her old music, all these things, her, her old uh, relationships, her old songs about her old relationships. And you have all these fans who are so obsessed. And again, she's such a mainstream figure. There's so many of these people who are casually obsessed, who make Taylor Swift the center of their life, or at least the center right. of their entertainment life or artistic life or their imagination, supposedly because, well, they relate to her so much. She explains their life so much. So Taylor Swift explains your life and now your life is about taylor swift again it's just feedback loops it's just it's the, in this pantheistic occult worldview that again you see explicitly with her as earth goddess and the other singer as sky goddess everything just feeds into itself there's no there there there's no transcendent divine that's being pointed to it's just imagination in this ouroboric cycle Right, it's her, like her it's at the top her. of the pyramid on the stairway to heaven. It's right, her right, whatever right. little spice or whatever. Here they said, I didn't know this ticket situation. Cheapest tickets available were one thousand one hundred dollars. Most floor seats hovered between two and six thousand. People are investing some serious coin, so they're heavily invested. It reminds me, I saw something on social media of people going to see Beyonce, like crying when she came out on on stage. So. This has right. got to be ramping up the kind of psychological intensity. Oh, yeah. We're actually... back around to Beatlemania levels of, of yes. fans. Yeah, good comparison. It says here, tickets for the Eros Tour received such high demand when pre-sales began in November that Ticketmaster canceled sales. Wow. Leading to a national fiasco. I didn't know that either. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that's incredible. Here's, here's You're right. Here's the BBC article you mentioned. It says, uh, it's okay. In fact, it's likely to be one of the things they remember attending for the rest of their lives. It's simply that they encode some aspects of the event in memory and not others. Wow. So maybe they're saying like they want to encode certain things in people's memories and not others. Old saying, time flies when you're having fun is easy way to think of the idea of post-concert amnesia. And it goes back into the whole uh, visual of this karma of her with the whole... Uh, Sand what time or whatever they call it. Where was it? 
Yes, yes, and I saw the article from uh, this person, Helen Pryor, this lecture there, where the, the line was saying about, um, yeah, wondering if the memories can be recalled at a later date. So, um, so that's in there too. Now, um, oh, uh, so another music video that might be worth glancing at. Uh, yeah, DCA, yeah, if you see that quote yeah, there. Like, yeah, some of the memory, the memories and emotions that they've forgotten. So it's not just triggering memories; it's it's triggering the emotions as well. So this whole uh, this whole psychological uh, dependence and um, uh, and just be, and and hybridization with the artist herself and the whole uh, the whole corporate entertainment machine behind her. Um, they're making that explicit and uh, and using that in conjunction with these MK techniques. Um, do you want to pull up the music video for the song Antihero? That's another one for the same album that Swift directed. And it's not quite, I mean, the car, it's hard to beat the Karma one, but there's a couple of things there uh, they're worth looking at. Uh, so the, the, the big thing here is it's kind of, it's a doppelganger video. You'll see pretty soon in uh, Taylor Swift is going to be confronted at the door by another version of herself, a version of herself that, I guess, according to her, she directed this uh, represents her um, her persona or something smiley like that. Oh, face. Smiley face. Smiley face with one yeah. of the eyes crossed out at the beginning. You see wow. her breakfast plate. Yeah. And then immediately <laughs> you have the smiley face with one of the eyes destroyed by her with the weird goopy glitter stuff coming out. Yeah, she's been initiated somewhere or another. I don't know what it is. Oh, right. Yep. The goopy glitter. Yep. And so you have, uh, so you, so yeah, as you'll see, you'll have this whole most of the, oh yeah, this weird haunting stuff at the beginning where you see these different kind of bigots and uh, sunglasses over them who look like ghosts, uh, just following her around her house. So, um, pretty creepy right from the get go. And then in a few seconds, she's going to, uh, she's going to be confronted with this other version of herself. So she's kind of being traumatized by these, by these memories, ghosts in the mirror, all this kind of thing. She runs, tries to get out, opens the door, and then empowered version of Taylor is right there. Uh, and it's so as her alter, and then they start drinking and partying together. So it's a, so the, the, the hyper-powered alter ego. And then most of the, most of the video is them. Yeah, you see that they're singing, playing music together. The hyper-powered one is uh, smashing the guitar, telling her everyone else will, will betray her, so kind of training her. Um, there's a very weird line in the song at one point where she says, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill. Now that's a, that's a reference to the, the, com the Tina Fey comedy 30 rock, just a line from one of those episodes from this show, but that's like 10 years ago. So very weird just to, just to, just to say, I feel like everybody is a sexy baby <laughs> without kind of explaining it. So that's kind of strange. You see, she's uh, she's giant sized for a lot of the video. Um, she tries right, to so it's distortion, right? It's Alice in Wonderland. Right? Yes, yes, yes. It's Alice in Wonderland. There's going to be a specific shot where she tries and fails to drink a bottle. That's an Alice in Wonderland reference there when she's large. So again, the other video, uh, the other video is Wizard of Oz. Here's the Alice in Wonderland stuff. Um, there's not too much in this video, more than we're already going to see. But if you want to look up, uh, she performed. Um, uh, she performed her song "We Are Never Getting Back Together" at the Grammys in 2013, and there's some really weird Alice in Wonderland stuff in that video. Let's see if I can uh, find it. Yeah, yeah, it's the track "We Are Never Getting um, We Are Never Getting Back Together" uh, Grammys 2013, and um, and in there, there's just uh, I would because I was trying to see has she done Alice in Wonderland stuff before, and then it looks like she had um, she had a decade ago for a performance that I've never really heard much of an explanation for, uh, but just some very strange, you know, the rabbit and Mad Hatter imagery and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you wanna, and then and then after we look at that one, there's a couple notes from her actual, the, from the concert, cause I watched the video for, like I said, for some of the Eras tour, that, that's, that's worth talking. But yeah, you see here, yeah, you see here, they're here, you know, her on stage. So again, this is 10 years ago. She's already mega popular. Uh, she has been for a very, very long time. But dancers around her in the creepy makeup and everything, strange lighting. Um, yeah, the, the weird, creepy rabbit dancing next to her, people in red, her and the kind of doing the Mad Hatter thing herself. Uh, creepy clown. Right. Really, really strange, right? Yeah, so they've got she's got it all down. They've got the whole suite. They go through the Wizard, Wizard of Oz, the uh, Alice in Wonderland, yeah. the MK. It's all in there. So there's their hypnotism wheel or whatever. Yep, yep, the weird hypnotism wheel thing. 
And uh, so, yeah, so this has been going on with Taylor Swift, as we can tell, for a very long time, uh, that these initiatory processes or whatever term-based mind control has either been done to her, through her, again, I can only speculate at a certain level, but we can see it. it's not it's not really a new thing, although um, it gets ramped up, I think, in, in some more recent album cycles, um, and there, there's a, a, a real drawing out of the kind of witchiness of some of her like uh, cottagecore aesthetic that she did with her couple albums that she released uh, in 2020 or around 2020, um, Folklore and Evermore, I think were the titles. And uh, the track that she did called Willow had a music video um, that had some of the witchy stuff to it. Like there's the whole thing is kind of a witchiness vibe. And she did a few uh, remixes for that song, Willow. Again, this is a later track. That one was called Dancing Witch. Another was called Lonely Witch. Another was called Moonlit Witch. Um, but then in her performance of the song Willow for, yeah, you can see the video there. And it's a... Uh, it's it's later on if you if you skip until later on in the video you kind of see her come across a group of witches in the woods that she starts kind of dancing with in some kind of ceremony. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Right there. Um, and you know, see the the conjuring of the light and all this kind of stuff. The mask, the moon. It's all there. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, and then as I was saying in her in her in her tour that is doing this amnesia thing, uh, the witchiness for the song Willow is really ramped up. Like it's just one sequence of the music video, but in the live performance, it's all just Taylor with witches on stage in some kind of in some kind of weird ceremony. So the witchiness of Taylor Swift really, really beefed up for this current album cycle. Uh, so people can look up if they're interested and see the um, see just as part of the the Eras tour, um, the uh, the the Willow performance. There's several versions of it on YouTube. Um, and uh, then uh, also in the Eras tour, her performance of some of the, the tracks for her Reputation album cycle from several years ago, because that's when she did the, the whole thing of, oh, I'm no longer a good girl, girl next door, country girl type, like early in my career. Now I'm a snake and all these kind of stuff. And I'm going to be the be the villain. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's some of the stuff from the, the, the Willow performance I was just talking about. And then, uh, but then also in the same, um, the same performance, uh, yeah, maybe if you look up um, repu uh, yeah, uh, reputation from the just if you put in eras in particular on YouTube, you or whoever is listening um, or, or watching can. Um, oh, there's yeah, the witch can, stuff. Yeah, there it is. There's all the witch stuff. See, it's the entire song, unlike the music video, uh, it which was just one component of it was witch stuff. For yeah, for this, it's the entire song, and so the two most I think overtly sinister things she does as part of this tour. Again, this tour is divided up into segments, all representing different personas she's had, different public images, different aesthetics that have been associated with different album cycles. Because she kind of reinvents herself all the time. Which again, celebrities reinventing themselves, coming up with new personas. Uh, there's kind of um, at its worst, there can be like a shape shifty kind of a culty dynamic to that as well, the imagination when not grounded becomes a dissociative thing. Um, and so several other uh, songs in the same concert, uh, there's just a lot of um, snake motifs and things like that, uh, like dancers in black and red around her while she's like wearing this kind of, uh, this kind of cat suit kind of thing. And um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, for the track, it's, uh, it's Look What You Made Me Do, um, I think is the name of the song, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, that's one both for the performance and eras and the music video, just snake motifs all over the place. Uh, pretty, pretty strange. Um, yeah, actually just look at the, why don't you just look at the music? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 There's a live performance. And so there she's got versions of herself from other, um, from earlier parts of her career, all trapped in boxes. So she's got all these snake motifs and she's being this empowered bad girl. And then all these old versions of herself, these old altars trapped behind glass. Um, all really, really unsettling stuff there. Yeah, she's hitting them with all the stuff. I mean, they. Have to, I guess if you got to do 44 songs, you got to cover all the bases, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Snake, yeah, the trapped in the cage. Yeah, uh, yeah. William, can you just look up uh, then the music video for for Look What You Made Me Do? Um, it's, it's from a few right years now, before, yeah. but um, and this is one that other people have pointed out. Uh, very creepy occult, uh, occult motifs here. There's some more just standard zombie stuff at the beginning. Some of the kind of Ouroboros, uh, Ouroboric snake imagery and the jewelry she's wearing and stuff like that, I think is even more suggestive. But yeah, you have the, you have all the zombie stuff there. 
Um, right. Yeah, this you have. Is, this is the sign of uh, Osiris or whatever. Yeah. Yep, sign of Osiris. Yep, and the bathtub surrounded by uh, by wealth, covered in jewels. Um, There's your butterfly on the butterfly ring. Yep, yep, yep. I think so. Yeah. So that's basically uh, four around. So there's this music video. And again, people can uh, can look up the Look What You Made Me Do music video. Oh, car, a car crash early in, which I think is sometimes symbolizes uh, destruction of the psyche. Uh, Birdcage kind of imagery you've, you've got there. Some more monarch stuff. Yeah, a total monarch. Yeah, the car crash was also in the uh, uh, Bad Habits video. If you remember, there's that one sequence where the car crashes and then the pseudo... Um, Sheeran pops out and he catches him. If you remember that sequence, I do remember that. I do remember. That. I also remember one of the Bring Me the Horizon videos we looked at. There was a pseudo subliminal shot of a, of a car crash in the video that Bring Me the Horizon did with Grimes. So, um, so that the car crash thing, I think, is something to look for. Yeah, there's this really creepy shot towards the end where it's like basically all the old versions of Taylor kind of like battling uh, under like underneath her. I think that might be like when there's there the kind is. of the green glow where there's like the letter T symbolizing Taylor. And then you just have uh, all these other versions that are just kind of fighting and they're all kind of forming this mass of Taylor's writhing. There's a, there's a different version of that there at the end where you are at the video where it's more comedic, where you just have her playing older versions of herself. Again, there's something so schizophrenic about this kind of celebrity where the willful self-reinvention acting like it's actual psychological um, evolution when it's actually just all this marketing stuff. Uh, again, you could you, even abstracting the, the blatant MK mind control stuff. There's something just really sick and dissociative about this level of just hollow celebrity worship and pop music. What do you think the likelihood of people in this era is being exposed to like pretty heavy duty psychological bombardment like through lights like i'm reading this stuff off on reddit where people are saying there's like seventy thousand south seventy thousand flashing lights and things like that like with the music and everything together and the total sensory kind of bombardment it's, it's much like astro world right yes what's the likelihood these people are put, dissociating or putting in a different state or something they i mean i think you, we all go into a different state when we watch TV, see a movie, go see music. But if you getting, if you're getting the five senses assaulted, I mean, you're, uh, yeah, you're kind of like it's MK Ultra for the masses, right? So it's, uh, Absolutely. Easy. I mean, that's yeah, you're right. We all kind of enter it. We all have to um, suspend disbelief a little bit. So we're entering into altered states, just engaging with art in general, especially, but especially stuff that involves technology, whether that's um, you know watching music videos. Uh, you know, on YouTube on our laptop or watching a film in the theater or on our television or going especially to something like this, an immersive concert with this level of theatricality, this level of, uh, of, of money and technological precision behind it, where I think it would be probably a mistake to think about, okay, is there a specific moment that's hypnotizing people? Is she casting a spell? Like, no, we don't have to be too literal, but we can think about what Brett and I would call the method that we talk about all the time on PSYOP Cinema, where along with the psychological manipulation techniques, you have audio-visual techniques used to, uh, to disorient the viewer, to how to do this um, this this kind of ongoing, this prolonged um, uh, traumatization and dissociation, uh, just via uh, via manipulation through sound, through visuals, through overstimulation, through dissonance, through all these things. And so I'm sure a lot of what's going on here is just the natural progression of the method that we see in different forms in uh, in blockbuster movies, in um, uh, in music videos, in live music. Just with this blending, where you have basically no separation between. Uh, the art, the culture, the technology between people's worldviews, where it all just becomes one blob. And then the, the overstimulation just continues because, like I said, there's no there there. There's no transcendence. There's no actual uh, coherent meaning behind any of this. So all they can do, the cultural engineers, their manipulation techniques reflects the emptiness of their worldview because all they can do is double down in intensity. But it's just this Ouroboric cycle that amounts to nothing except for traumatization, which makes people... Um, easily primed for dissociation, for fantasies, for being manipulated, for having these triggers implanted, like that uh, lecturer said in the BBC article about emotions and memories being triggered later on. So yeah, I think, William, you're spot on. A lot of what's going on here is just the natural elevation of overstimulation being normalized. Yeah, overstimulation towards dissociation. So yes. people are saying like they're experiencing dreams, 
dissociating. I mean, there's other people like I stay, I waited in line for six hours to get in. So they're in a state of exhaustion and then bombarded by a three hour set, 44 songs. Holy smokes. Yep. That's like, yep, yeah. yep. So and then right fine. before so the, the, the last uh, segment of this tour is, is obviously for her most recent album for Midnight's. It's not a chronological show. Um, you know, so again, there's some of the nonlinearity of people, um, of, of, of people getting exposed in whatever order Taylor wants to these different personas that she's adopted over the years. But the last one is for Midnight, the recent one that has karma. And I, and I read in a description of the tour that before that, there's an optical illusion where she looks like she's uh, diving into a body of water that's developed around the piano that she's playing. And so it looks like she's swimming underwater before coming to the main stage. So it's kind of a, there's kind of a descent into the water, descent into underworld kind of thing before that and more siren intimations with that. Uh, again, uh, Joker and the Queen from earlier. She's the Queen culturally to Ed Sheeran's Joker, but she emerges from the water and then performs this last set of songs, uh, including um, yeah, which uh, for the album that includes Antihero and Karma that we've been talking about. Right. I mean, I, people have to really be afraid. I remember this video. I think it was from Aaron and Darren Dykes. Uh, they did the Minds of Men, but there was something. There was one of the. I think it was the 2016. Uh, campaign for the Democrats. They had the stadium set up to really hit people with all kinds of like lights and suggestions and auto suggestions. It was really intense. And it made me think of that when I was like kind of reading about this Taylor Swift thing is that they really can. Uh, and it was very sinister, actually. The whole Clinton campaign was super sinister. There were all kinds of weird 1984 themes. But it just like you, when you go into these stadiums, you got to really, these are like mega rituals, you know. Like uh, people have to, be, I mean, and, uh, people got to watch out. The Olympics are coming up, World Cups coming to the United States. So I mean, I wouldn't be. I mean, that you could see this her era's tour in a larger context of these kind of huge stadium mind, you know, incredibly uh, mind control events or mind bending, mind culture shifting events. Like it's really incredible what they can do. Right, right, it is. And and there's also the collapse of entertainment and politics. And because you, you talked about some of these same techniques being used in a presidential campaign, we can think about how something like someone like Hillary Clinton will just get so much support from all these pop stars and actors and all this kind of stuff. So, uh, so again, just like it's the entertainment industry and religion being blurred, politics just becomes another, uh, another manifestation of the same thing. It's all part of the same blob. I mean, in this documentary, which I have not seen the full thing uh, that Taylor Swift did from a few years years ago you know that's just showing um aspects of her life and career and all this stuff they tried to make this really big thing when she made some kind of statement endorsing a democratic candidate or kind of coming out as a liberal like this was some huge heroic thing that she had to do as if it's not the easiest thing in the world for a pop star to say hey i'm in line with mainstream democrat party politics uh right. but you see but you will see these same techniques and same ideologies and same symbols pop up in the realm of politics because again it's part of the pantheistic occult worldview uh, of the inner circle of elites is that it has to all be one thing. There can't be boundaries. The way you program and control people is make sure that they're getting programmed from every angle possible. And it's all going to and coming from the same place again, or a How much different are these from the Trump rallies? So there are these recent Trump rallies. People are in a state of like idol worship, kind of an ecstatic state chanting lots of noise. Like if you could look, watch those Trump rallies there, the music is like a, 3000 decibels like it's super loud like how much do these guys know even on the right not just the left not just the clintons but how they're in trying to influence their uh admirers or however and that dynamic between the star idol at the top of the pyramid whether it's clinton trump or swift how, how much of these guys doing the same stuff, right? Right. I, I definitely think that people should uh, be aware of this kind of overstimulation, these techniques, no matter where they're coming from. And it is um, across the political spectrum. I will say that um, I, I think it's even more dangerous in a setting, say, with someone like a, a combination of um, like a Clinton figure and a Taylor Swift figure, because there are just absolutely no breaks there on the combination of these things. For all these Taylor Swift fans, likely a lot of them know that they have 
uh, the worldview that is endorsed by the ultimate mainstream of global corporations, of the U.S. government, of all this kind of stuff. I would say that even though people should be um, wary of celebrity worship and idolization of politicians in pretty much any context, it's at least in some of those, there's at least the breaks of knowing that, well, what you're witnessing isn't necessarily being endorsed by all the powers that be, whereas for, again, the mainstream of pop music, entertainment industry, politics, all these things, there's a very intentional blending with the cutting edge of woke globalist politics. Right. Yeah. People got to be really careful when they go what they're paying for, especially if you're paying two to 6,000 for a floor seat where you got to stand up and watch Taylor Swift for three hours or four. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. crazy. It's a pretty crazy, just a phenomenon, just a looking at it objectively that people are uh, spending that kind of coin to be subjected to these. I mean, and think about the subtle subject, uh, subject, you know, people being subjected to these themes, maybe not being fully conscious of them and getting them from a different place, not just Taylor Swift, right? Right. So they're right. constantly going through the looking glass. They're going down the yellow brick road. Like that's, you want to talk about mass formation, hypnotism or whatever. That I think that they're, I think that I wouldn't be surprised if people are studying that at all. I mean, especially yeah. like at this way, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And especially with some of this religious symbolism, because uh, here then uh, the, a lot of these fans, they won't they, they, they won't have any idea that what they're seeing with some of these things, not just with the monarch symbolism, but like with the earth goddess imagery, with the Saturn stuff, with all this death and rebirth stuff that they're that this is coming from the same place as a lot of the esoteric spirituality that's just getting mainstream through the new age, through spiritual, but not religious stuff, through the casual um, endorsement of those things by a lot of the shows that they'll be watching on Netflix or whatever. They just assume that this is normal, that the monoculture is the default setting of reality. So they they don't know that they're being programmed with the specific ideology that's been around for a long time. To them, it's just reality, which makes it very dangerous. Right. That's very well said. Very well said. Is there anything you'd like to add or anything I missed before we wrap this up? I mean, I think that was a great uh, close to the end statement, but uh, it uh, is yeah. interesting. I'm, I'm glad you brought this to my attention. I think it's important, like maybe on the surface is like, oh, you know, there's something weird going on post-concert amnesia. I think in the larger context, this is something everybody has to be aware of, of what they're allowing themselves to be subjected to. Right, right. Like, oh, yeah, I think that, that that's spot on, that it's not just the amnesia. The amnesia thing um, is, is a big red flag. Like I said, no matter if people think it's being overblown or not, just the media stories themselves say a lot. But I think a lot of this other context um, really just shows why this is so deadly. Um, do, you have, uh, do you have time just to maybe we don't have to watch the whole yes. thing, but there's a couple other music videos that uh, I think are definitely worth looking at. Can you look at the, the one for Style, Style by Taylor Swift? This is a music video from 2015 that's got some pretty creepy stuff in it. And it's important, I think, because it's a different aesthetic uh, than some of these later things is for her 1989 album. So you see like a lot of it is uh, the, here's her head uh, being kind of hollowed out, a silhouette that you can see uh, uh, that uh, her looking through at the ocean. And so you see that kind of throughout. Some people have compared some of the imagery in the video to the, the theme song for the first season of True Detective yeah, with all the yeah. trees and stuff like that. Um, but it's a very kind of um, uh, you know, a, a glamorous pop kind of throwback um, uh, style, very romanticized. It's the song, uh, you know, of course, is something about her lover has a, a James Dean daydream look in his eyes. And she's got the red lip classic uh, thing that he likes, something like that. So all this throwback cultural romanticism but then partway through you start to see shattered glass imagery and some single eye imagery in the shattered glass um you, yeah yeah you start to see you see you see the cracks over top of them you, yeah that's eyes, the, yeah there you go single eyes them holding up shards of glass that reflect the other's eye so very very creepy stuff that is indicating <clears throat> i think some dissociative trauma-based mind control stuff back in 2015 for a very different album cycle um, and then, uh, yeah, all the nature stuff uh, is is, is kind of weird, too, because it's all about her body blending with these beautiful landscapes. So kind of similar to the Earth and Sky Goddess stuff from the Karma music video. And then the last music video that I'll leave you with is uh, is for her song Ready For It. So this is from the same album cycle as the Look What You Made Me Do stuff. So with the one that had all the snakes. But here's like the very sci-fi music video that's really strange. Yeah, that, I wouldn't be surprised if the director or anything was the same guy who did the uh, True Detective. So it looks exactly the same. 
Yeah, I think it was just inspired by by that. But oh, for for this music video, th this music video is directed by Joseph Kahn, who's done some other really strange videos as well, including all the snake stuff for "Look What You Made Me Do." Uh, but yeah, so here you, it's this weird sci-fi thing. You know, Taylor's rushing through this hallway and everything, and then she comes to a version of herself imprisoned behind glass. So more doppelganger stuff. Um, and so it's this version of her that appears to be naked that's wearing a bodysuit, this robot version of her. And then most of the video is just this version of her, the cyborg version, doing all these transformations, uh, just like we see Taylor Swift doing with the Eras Tour. It's all about the malleability of her pop star persona. She can do all of this kind of, um, all of this, uh, all these different ways of colonizing people's imaginations, cottagecore, uh, throwback 1950s stuff. Um, to this kind of sci-fi, the sinister snake imagery stuff. Uh, Taylor Swift, you start out as a, basically a country singer and then can do all, all of right. this. But the video, see, yeah, as you see, William, it's nothing but these kind of weird sci-fi transformations and shape-shifting things. Um, oh, and then also, you know, for the, yeah, uh, yeah, keep looking at this video, but then for the other song that had all the snake stuff, look what she made me do. There's a line that song that's, uh, I'll be the actress starring in your bad dreams that always struck me as weird. Why is an actress starring in somebody's bad dreams? So bad dreams, imagination, acting, all put together. But yeah, so at the end of this video, um, you see that the one that we've been following from the beginning is a robot too. So they're both robots. So doppelgangers, robots, electricity. They're burning all the witches. That's what it says there. Burning yep. All the wow. Burning all the witches. Yeah, 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 yeah. So more and more Very witch well. stuff. Yeah. So just crazy, right? So that was from about like five years ago, but a bunch of these songs are portrayed in very, I think, sinister ways in the in the in the Eras tour. But just wanted to show with this one, like 2017, 2018, and then the style one from 2015, creepy, dissociative monarch stuff going on throughout her whole career. This tour is just ramping up. Uh, what's already been in process for a long time with Taylor Swift and with uh, culture at large, I believe. Wow, she's got 52 million subscribers. Like she's got subscribers the size of entire nations, like France or Germany or something like that. Like it's incredible. She's worth 750 million dollars. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So this is a super. I mean, I don't know if uh, Ed Sheeran can even come close to that. Yeah, yeah, certainly Sharon, like I said, is a very ubiquitous global superstar, but um, uh, Taylor Swift is in a, a tier above him in terms of notoriety, in terms of album sales, ticket sales, uh, single sales. She's, you know, she, she could be classed, you know, in terms of people, you know, Beyonce, Eminem, that level of fame. Right, yeah, huge. It's amazing. These guys are, I mean, your people are definitely being kind of uh, passively initiated into all these concepts and ideas, maybe without that, you know, there's no you know, CC video of what these symbols mean, right? So right. it's just like you're having the entire global population indoctrinated with this stuff, these symbols. But, you know, and some people like, oh, that's what it was. They remember, like, even it's kind of the Harry Potter effect. They may not know how intense the uh, cult manifestations are. Like, Harry Potter's off the charts, but... Oh, yeah. It's like oh, yeah. Consciousness. yeah. Oh, yeah. Harry Potter's like... Uh, you know, witchcraft for dummies or something like that. It's for real. There's, I mean, it's not a joke. They, they are, yeah. 11s are all over that. I mean, it's just incredible. But and uh, and J.K. Rowling had as a, as her Twitter cover profile picture for a while, the, um I think it was the death tarot card, specifically from Crowley's version of the tarot deck. So. Yeah, that's right. She had that. She also had a, a astrological guide from him, from Crowley as well. So she has a Crowley. She has a legit Crowley connection. It's no joke. Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter, Taylor Swift. It's not the fringes. It's not the shadows of culture. It is those things, too. And you'll see different versions of programming there. But it is, like I said earlier, it is the mainstream of the mainstream. Yeah. And I like I, I, you know, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I, I, I used to a little bit. I actually saw her live in 2015, um, which wasn't quite as intense as things are now. But even then, I was kind of shocked by just how religious everything felt and how um, how much technological precision there was going into just this stadium-wide adoration of, of this singer. But I, I don't recommend people spend a lot of time watching or listening to this stuff. I mean, you and I do so for research, but for people just to know that this is what is selling out stadiums. This is what is breaking ticket sale records. This is what all of your normie friends are listening to, are watching. Uh, and again, just the Karma music video. There's, I mean, some of this may say, oh, maybe that's a stretch. Maybe that's a coincidence. But something like that, spinning, 
butterflies, Wizard of Oz, Hourglass, Moon, Saturn, Pyramid. It's, it's, it's so obviously intentional. And even if it's ironic, it's still the same symbols. It's still doing the same thing, you know? So I don't think there's any way out of just the truth that we're in an open air project monarch experiment at this part of pop culture. No doubt. I totally agree with you. And Saturn has a very dark correlation. Saturn, Satan, all this stuff, you know, it's like yep, yep. Uh, they're, they're roping themselves to that. So that's what I think she's saying is I'm roping myself to kind of the moon and midnight, a full moon, right? So, yeah, well, I guess, uh, yeah. No, great talk, man. Thanks for doing all that research. Where can people find your stuff, Tom? Uh, Psyop-cinema.com. Um, and then also they can find us on uh, our Patreon, um, patreon.com slash cinema for our bonus content. Uh, we're also on Spotify, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts. And so uh, if people hear your show, then I, I hope they'll come uh, check out Psyop Cinema if they haven't already. What have you been working on? What's your most recent shows? I think I saw some newer stuff on there. Let's see. Recently, we um, recently we did an episode on um, on Get Out uh, with Sean, we had Sean McCann on, uh, who I know you've collaborated with as well, and we yeah. did uh, an analysis of uh, of Get Out as a, as a Monarch movie. Um, and in terms of uh, of other stuff coming out, we've got uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind with the Collins Brothers. We're going to do right. a Terrence Malick series with Stephen Delay. Um, let's see. I just did a couple of woke horror movie analyses. Uh, with Rebecca Dillingham, Distant Mama, and Rachel Wilson. Uh, we have an episode on Morbius starring Jared Leto coming out. So um, uh, all of this is coming out soon and a bunch of others as well. So you kind of, and you did Creation of the Humanoids with Ken. I've had him on a yes, lot. And then yes, yes, Brett talked to Ken. That was great. Yep, and you covered one of my, really one of my favorite horror movies, The Thing. It's just, it's such a great perfectly constructed horror film. Yes, that's right. That's a recent episode as well. We, I did four different John Carpenter horror movies with Jeff Schulenberger and James Ellis. We did uh, the we did the Thing, um, Prince of Darkness, They Live, and Vampires. So that was a really fun one as well. So we've had a bunch of collaborations going on, and then we're kind of continuing our uh, our long slog through the nightmare of Jared Diletto, <laughs> Diletto's career. So we did The Little Things, the serial killer movie with Rami Malek and Denzel Washington. And like I said, Morbius coming out soon. So a lot going on at Sab Cinema. Yeah, you and I did uh, Fight Club, right? Did, or you did you did one Fight Club and then we did one Fight Club together. Yeah, that's right. That was one of our, um, yeah, since then I we did a Sheeran episode and then we did Seven Days in May, you and I and Brett. And then Brett and I were also on to talk about uh, Fight Club and a bunch of adjacent topics a few months ago. And that was a really good discussion. So I hope people check that one out too. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. It's Thomas of PSYOP Cinema. I will put a link to the podcast and the Patreon. And the title of our show is Taylor Swift Mind Control Concerts. Thanks. So, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, William. All right. We'll stay there.